Hello, everyone. My name is Maxine McFarlane, and I am a parent, educator, and nurturer of young minds and hearts. It is my pleasure to welcome you to the Teacher's Tribe podcast. Many people around the world believe that 2020 is the worst year they have seen in their lifetime. Do you share that opinion? You may be surprised that not everyone thinks so. In fact, I would bet that there are people who, amidst all the challenges faced so far, have been able to derive many benefits as a result of the significant changes that have occurred. They by no means discount the great suffering and loss around the world. However, they welcome the benefits of slowing down, enjoying quality time with their family and friends, and having the opportunity to be at rest. I know this may be a hard pill to swallow, but please hear me out. Today I want to share an idea that is applicable to our lives as teachers, parents, and caregivers. Please stay tuned. Many years ago, one of my principals said something to the staff that not only resonated with me then, but it also stuck with me through the years. She reminded us at the beginning of the school year that the parents did not keep their best children at home. They sent their best, their all, to school. They didn't keep the good ones at home and send the ones that would make things difficult for us. It was a reminder that all of our students are their parents' special gifts and they have been entrusted in our care. Their best children may have challenging personalities, learning difficulties, behavioral problems, limited social-emotional skills, and a plethora of other issues. But it would make a huge difference to accept that the best is here. Doesn't that idea just shift your perspective? If you can see these children as the best, it would go a long way to influence our expectations and reactions. You may be inclined to think that you are being punished when you have a challenging student or group of students. Now, if we accept that parents have sent us their best, I suggest that our goal should be to help them better their best. The world has recognized that the Jamaican-born sprinter Usain Bolt is the fastest man in the world. He still holds the world 100-meter record of 9.58 seconds. Scientists have been analyzing Bolt's effect on top competitors and they made a correlation between his presence in a race and their performance. They have found that top athletes increased their own speed when they competed against Bolt. His presence caused them to better their best. I have always admired parents and caregivers who have children that are labeled as quote-unquote difficult. Sometimes they are medicated during the school day to help them maintain focus and cope while in the classroom. By the end of the day, with the medication worn off, their caregivers welcome them home and deal with the aftermath. They are still the same precious, valuable gifts to their families 
that left for school in the morning. Their best children are welcomed home with loving embraces and the focus is to meet their varying needs without question. Some families have multiple children with varying challenges, but would never consider trading them in. The point I'm making is that we must see the best in every child and make it our mission to inspire them to show up in the greatest versions of themselves. I purchased a simple dollar store sign several years ago and it hung in one of my classroom windows for quite a few years. The words, world's best class, was printed on it. It was a constant reminder that when I entered my classroom, this was my little world and the students that shared that space with me was my best class. I don't have the sign hanging in my home as I teach virtually this year, but I frequently remind my students whose faces or names show up on my screen about the greatness I see in them. It is my hope that as I continue to recognize their best efforts and admirable qualities, they will also see the best in themselves. I read this story about Teddy Stoddard many years ago, and it is one that stuck with me through the years. If you're already familiar with it, listen to it again and consider how you can apply it in the context of what I am sharing today. Teddy and Mrs. Thompson by Bill Bratt Jean Thompson stood in front of her fifth grade class on the very first day of school in the fall and told the children a lie. Like most teachers, she looked at her pupils and said that she loved them all the same, that she would treat them all alike. And that was impossible because there in front of her, slumped in his seat on the third row, was a boy named Teddy Studdart. Mrs. Thompson had watched Teddy the year before and noticed he didn't play well with the other children that his clothes were unkempt, and that he constantly needed a bath. And Teddy was unpleasant. It got to the point during the first few months that she would actually take delight in marking his papers with a broad red pen, making bold X's, and then marking the F at the top of the paper biggest of all. Because Teddy was a sullen little boy, no one else seemed to enjoy him either. At the school where Mrs. Thompson taught, she was required to review each child's records and she put Teddy's off until the last. When she opened his file, she was in for a surprise. His first grade teacher wrote, Teddy is a bright, inquisitive child with a ready laugh. He does his work neatly and has good manners. He is a joy to be around. His second grade teacher wrote, Teddy is an excellent student, well liked by his classmates, but he is troubled because his mother has a terminal illness and life at home must be a struggle. His third grade teacher wrote, Teddy continues to work hard but his mother's death has been hard on him. He tries to do his best, but his father doesn't show much interest, 
and his home life will soon affect him if some steps aren't taken. Teddy's fourth grade teacher wrote, Teddy is withdrawn and doesn't show much interest in school. He doesn't have many friends and sometimes sleeps in class. He is tardy and could become a problem. By now, Mrs. Thompson realized the problem, but Christmas was coming fast. It was all she could do, with the school play and all, until the day before the holidays began and she was suddenly forced to focus on Teddy Stoddard. Her children brought her presents, all in beautiful ribbon and bright paper, except for Teddy's, which was clumsily wrapped in the heavy brown paper of a scissors grocery bag. Mrs. Thompson took pains to open it in the middle of the other presents. Some of the children started to laugh when she found a rhinestone bracelet with some of the stones missing and a bottle that was one quarter full of cologne. She stifled the children's laughter when she exclaimed how pretty the bracelet was, putting it on and dabbing some of the perfume behind the wrist. Teddy Stoddard stayed behind just long enough to say, Mrs. Thompson, Today you smell just like my mom used to. After the children left, she cried for at least an hour. On that very day, she quit teaching reading and writing and speaking. Instead, she began to teach children. Jean Thompson paid particular attention to one they all called Teddy. As she worked with him, his mind seemed to come alive. The more she encouraged him, the faster he responded. On days there would be an important test, Mrs. Thompson would remember that cologne. By the end of the year, he had become one of the smartest children in the class. And, well, he had also become the pet of the teacher who had once vowed to love all of her children exactly the same. A year later, she found a note under her door from Teddy, telling her that of all the teachers he had had in elementary school, she was his favorite. Six years went by before she got another note from Teddy. He then wrote that he had finished high school third in his class and she was still his favorite teacher of all time. Four years after that, she got another letter saying that while things had been tough at times, he had stayed in school, had stuck with it, and would graduate from college with the highest of honors. He assured Mrs. Thompson she was still his favorite teacher. Then four more years passed, and yet another letter came. This time, he explained that after he got his bachelor's degree, he decided to go on a little further. The letter explained that she was still his favorite teacher, but that now his name was a little longer. The letter was signed, Theodore F. Studdard, M.D. The story doesn't end there. You see, there was yet another letter that spring. Teddy said he'd met this girl and was to be married. He explained that his father had died a couple of years ago 
and he was wondering if Mrs. Thompson might agree to sit in the pew usually reserved for the mother of the groom. And on that special day, Jean Thompson wore that bracelet, the one with the rhinestones missing. And on that special day, Jean Thompson smelled the way Teddy remembered his mother smelling on their last Christmas together. They hugged each other, and Dr. Stoddard whispered in Mrs. Thompson's ear, Thank you, Mrs. Thompson, for believing in me. Thank you so much for making me feel important and showing me that I could make a difference. Mrs. Thompson, with tears in her eyes, whispered back. She said, Teddy, you have it all wrong. You were the one who taught me that I could make a difference. I didn't know how to teach until I met you. Teachers, maybe you have already identified a student this year that may be more than a handful. You may feel like this is the year that you have so much on your plate that you cannot handle another challenge. Not this year. In the same way that people are saying that they can't handle another hurdle from the year 2020, you may be in a state of overwhelm. Don't see this as the potential proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back. Instead, I challenge you to put on your glasses with lenses of compassion and encouragement and tell yourself when you see that child, the best is here. His or her parents sent the best they have to your class. Maybe that child is placed in your care parents and caregivers to help you to grow into the best versions of yourselves. Educators, this student may just be the one to teach you this year. You could very well be a Mrs. Thompson in that child's life. I can imagine that children like Teddy often experience many negative verbal exchanges. After a while, it wouldn't be surprising if they internalize some of the things that they hear about themselves. If we, the important adults in their lives, could practice kindness as we see them in a whole new light, the life-changing difference will become evident. Rajan Singh captured that idea so well when he said, Kindness is seeing the best in others when they cannot see it in themselves. Sometimes children develop fame that precede them, and teachers will, often with good intentions, warn others about such students. I remember one year when I received my class list, and a colleague on my grade level asked to look at it. She burst into hilarious laughter when she saw a particular student on my list and quickly shared expressions of sympathy. She was surprised to learn that I didn't know the student and hadn't heard of any incidents involving his behavior the previous year. Although unsolicited, she immediately started sharing stories about the problems he had caused. I choose to not allow another person's opinion to determine my expectations of my students. I also keep in mind that children do not only grow physically during the long weeks of summer break, but they also develop socially, mentally, and emotionally. 
I welcome new students with a clean slate and work on developing my own relationships with them. With this approach, I have noticed a few things. One, my students often rise to my expectations. Two, the behavior challenges that they were previously known for dissipated. Three, they felt valued and their confidence grew as they realized that they did not have to be what they were previously known for. Four, they knew they were loved, valued, and that their teacher always had her greatness glasses on, looking for the best in them. And five, those students make me feel like I am making a difference and help me to continue to aspire to be a nurturer of their minds and hearts. That student on my class list mentioned earlier, well, he made a significant turnaround that year and many of my colleagues who knew the history made many positive comments to and about him that year. Chadwick Boseman's recent passing after a private four-year battle with colon cancer caused many comments, tributes, and confessions to be published on various media platforms. I was struck by two categories of comments that came across online. The first was one of admiration for his confidence, who kept his battle private. The second type really bothered me because they were hurtful statements that mocked the actor about his weight loss. Many expressions of regret have since been posted, citing that things would have been different if they had known what he was going through. I believe that we don't need to know the backstory or the whole story in order to care and to be kind. Would you treat a child differently if you knew that he or she was struggling with issues outside of his or her control? Would you be more lenient? Would you show more grace? If you answered yes, then do that, even if you don't have the evidence to show that there is a serious problem. I am curious to know how the children in your life have helped you, like Mrs. Thompson, to make a difference. What have they taught you? Leave a comment on my blog at theteacherstribe.com and on Instagram and Facebook under the posts for this episode. William Arthur Ward's words should inspire us to acknowledge that the best is here every time we see our children or students. He said, when we seek to discover the best in others, we somehow bring out the best in ourselves. Until next time, walk good and one love.